You're listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome in to a uh, less than exciting special edition of the Win or Hughes podcast. And we were hoping that if we did a special edition of the Win or Hughes podcast, it would be maybe to talk about something positive. Unfortunately, that's not the case this week. On Wednesday night, the A's kind of breaking the bombshell news that they are not quite done with Oakland, but almost 95% that they are going to be moving to Las Vegas and that they are shifting their focus away from Oakland and putting it on their parallel path with the potential of a $1.5 billion stadium in the city of Las Vegas. And, you know, yesterday, Rick, it was a really hard day just hearing that news late at night, kind of numb to it. It wasn't something that was completely unexpected, but it was also something that was a little bit shocking the way that it came, which was, I think, calculated, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but it was really hard when the news initially broke that the A's were shifting their focus to Las Vegas, and I was like a lot of A's fans. I didn't know what to do. I wound up jumping into the now famous Twitter spaces that How the Hot Dog Guy uh, put on last night, and it was great because it's weird to kind of think about it in this term, but it is a little bit like mourning with the news that the A's are leaving Oakland after all these years, after the time invested and the way that it hit fans. And I think there's a different attitude a day later than there was initially last night. But let's start right now with just how you initially got the news and how you felt when it first hit you that the A's are exploring a new path that will take them to Las Vegas instead of Oakland. Well, uh, it's just kind of been a roller coaster of emotions, to be honest with you. And uh, that goes back to even yesterday, because you're right, we did want to do a special podcast that was on something a little more exciting. And we actually recorded one yesterday, and we sat down with Stu Clary, who was uh, one of the brains behind this reverse boycott. And we uh, talked to him and you know, through that discussion, that got some emotions going and it was kind of upsetting, right? And we we as fans know that we've been upset for a while and and upset for different reasons. And there's been a lot of frustration this season just with how the games have been going. Then, you know, we talked to Stu and, you know, it, it kind of got me a little upset thinking about why the fans are, are calling for this reverse boycott, right? And so then to get that news last night, it just kind of felt like something like maybe I'm just like tired and I'm not really like actually reading this. And, uh, you know, it it was kind of getting late at night and and maybe not that late, but I got to get up for work in the morning. So it was late for me. And then waking up again this morning and then just seeing more about it and just feeling gutted, you know, and uh, of my family as they slowly started waking up, letting them know. And I just kind of was like, oh, man, like I, I didn't really know how to feel. Then my wife came in and she's like, no, this is a big deal. You know, you you've been going to this since you were a kid. What you do with your brother on opening, this is big to you. And I was like, it's fine. It's whatever. And then I just kind of had to walk away because I was, you know, kind of starting to feel like Frank from Always Sunny, you know, like, you unzip me, Doc. You unzip me. So, yeah, it's just been a roller coaster of emotions. What What about you? I wrote something that I put out on my Twitter feed, at Vegas Joe Hughes, that was that I, I've been cycling through the stages of grief as quickly as the A's have cycled through players. 
just trying to figure out how to deal with it. Because at first when I read it, you know, this is all happening while Twitter's getting rid of verification. And so when you first see an outlet, you're like, oh, is this, you know, somebody on Twitter blue? Is this a real thing? And, you know, the first news outlet that I saw was an independent one. So you're like, okay. And then you slowly started seeing more and more stuff generating that this was real and having to kind of like quickly come to acceptance because it's been looming out there for a long time that Vegas, was it a leverage tactic? You know, was it going to be reality? And so it's been sitting out there for a while and you were hoping if you're an A's fan and you wanted them to stay here, that it was just leverage, that the A's were using Las Vegas as leverage to get a deal done at Howard Terminal. And, you know, for it to actually come to fruition and break the other way. And I think what's, you know, it's not funny is we talked about it earlier in the day when we had a phone call after we did our interview about the reverse boycott is, you know, I I said simply like if the A's want to get a deal done on a stadium fast, Vegas is the fast way because they can do it for a fraction of the cost of what they're looking at spending in Oakland. And, you know, we were just kind of talking about the reality of it, not really thinking about any news that was coming out that night. And then sure enough, you know, the news broke and I've just kind of been going through it. Last night, I did a lot of listening. I was on that Twitter spaces, as I mentioned. I just did a lot of listening and, you know, it was media members and fans and people that have been following the stadium situation very closely in that kind of tight-knit Twitter community where there's like a lot of resources for guys. And I just did a lot of listening. But it did remind me a little bit of when, say, someone you're close with passes away and you're not quite sure what to do and you want to be with people that knew them, that are feeling the exact same way that you are in that moment. And that Twitter spaces that happened last night and shout out to Hal the Hot Dog Guy for putting that on and for hosting that. I mean, he's on the East Coast and he was staying up with us until, you know, like three, three o'clock in the morning his time and just kind of letting it be uh, an avenue for fans to vent some of those frustrations and you could hear the somber tones in people's voices because, you know, you just didn't have a lot of power. And and something that I think, you know, was really, you know, hard to hear from a lot of fans is there's a little bit of fear, not just in losing the A's because we love the team, but that there's a community and being a fan and being part of this community. And if that is going to exist in uh, an era in the East Bay without the Oakland A's is that central drawing figure to bring all of this great community and all this great energy and vibe uh, together. And I think there was a little bit of a mourning uh, of maybe that and the experiences there. You brought the having the power, right? And kind of being powerless as fans and having that feeling. And what's so upsetting is this just coming on the heels of this reverse boycott gaining traction, right? Because it really felt like this grassroots movement for the fans to show some power. Because really, we we are powerless, right? And what we're hoping now is that they change the colors or they change the name so we can still wear our gear and show that that I don't support that team. I supported this team, you know? But really, we have no say in whether that happens or not. And so it's just so frustrating for this to come on the heels of this reverse boycott getting so much national attention where we keep seeing anytime there is national attention, they're talking about, oh, they only have 5,000 fans. Oh, this is opening night. Look how sad this is. When we know the fans are either tailgating or we know the fans are tired of the prices going up. 
the players that you grow to love getting shipped out, the team that you get to go see just not producing. And that's something we've been talking about, about this team. And to be honest with a lot of the fans, yeah, we would love a new ballpark. That would be great. But so many people love the Coliseum and I get it from a player's perspective. It's a different thing, right? Um, and, and that's a whole nother side of the discussion, but just to feel like we had that power building in a grassroots movement for a team that says they're rooted in Oakland. And I think what's disheartening about it is I believe that the Howard Terminal Project was the closest that we've seen the A's really get realistically to getting a ballpark done in Oakland. You know, there was a, a bid to move the A's to San Jose that got shot down by Bud Selig and MLB preventing the A's from being able to move to San Jose, which was a, you know, at least a viable path to stay in the Bay Area. And I've been thinking about it, that there aren't any heroes, there aren't any tragic figures really in this story about maybe the end of professional baseball in Oakland. And we're saying maybe because it's not quite a done deal, but we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But that there's just villains. There's people that you blame in and out. There's there's not one specific person. And I know a lot of people will feel differently about this. And a lot of people will say, I'm going to point to the A's. I'm going to point to John Fisher and Dave Cavill and make them the enemy. They're definitely part of this. I'm going to point to the city of Oakland and the different politicians in and out over the course of 20 years that have dragged their feet and kept this from happening. I'm going to point to Major League Baseball. I'm going to point to Bud Selig. All of those people, all of those entities played it a role in this. And you can, you know, weigh it out about who had a larger role in it, but there was a lot of people along the way that made it a lot harder for the A's to be able to stay in Oakland. And ultimately, you know, everyone plays a role in it. And the victim, it's that community, that fan base that we were talking about that was treated very poorly at different times by a lot of those places that we're talking about. Sometimes they would, you know, cuddle up to them, but it took a lot of pressure to be able to make things happen. And it didn't really seem like there was enough momentum to champion it at the same time from all sides to get this deal done. And um, it's a somber mood. And I think a lot of that initial sadness has now transformed into anger for a lot of people and where they're directing that anger within the parties involved in here. I'm like, a lot of times I don't even know what to say, right? And the emotions just keep changing. Yes, you do want to blame people. Yes, there are a lot of people at fault. Yes, it is the fans that suffer. And you just feel like as a fan, like what more could I have done? Literally, there's nothing, right? And the thing that is the most frustrating to me is that it just feels such like this major league movie right like it was just like we're moving this team we're gonna do low attendance and then to get the fans bought in by offering these deals by offering the ballpark pass at $30 a month you know for the whole season buying your parking online in advance for $10 you know all these things like that so you get the fans bought back in and then because you you're trying to push that narrative that the fans don't care then you take all of that away and you know i i know the a's you probably plan this on an off day and while they're away and probably didn't and well the warriors and kings are playing just ahead of a 49ers having a draft next week yeah like, 
this was a calculated announcement. And part of the reason you know that is because when it first got announced, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to reach out to the A's in Major League Baseball for comment. No, this was leaked by the A's and they had their statements prepared. It was like a press release that they were getting ready to announce this. Not that news broke because some sleuth reporter, you know, got a like a hint. No, this was gifted to them to package it out and put the news out there. But what I'm saying is for it to come when this reverse boycott is gaining national attention, right? And it's changing that narrative that there's only 5,000 people there. That's that's barely the narrative, right? They've got 2,000 people. They've got that. And so for us to take this grassroots stand to go, no, it is not the fans. It is the owner. And then to go, okay, we're out. You know, we're, we're just out of here. And then to see, you know, what Dave Cavill is talking about, like the local fan support is going to be just crucial to our success. You had the support. If you build it, they will come. It doesn't matter what you build. Build a competitive team and we'll show up. Build a, a stadium. We'll show up. But when you don't build anything and you keep raising the prices, and essentially, you've gone from like, let's go to the cereal aisle and you can get the name brand in the box or the big bag that's at a discount price. But now the bag keeps getting smaller and the price keeps going up. At some point, it's like, this isn't right. I'm not going to buy that product. So it's just so frustrating to feel like the fans trying to use some power in the only way you really can. And then to have, okay, we're going to fight back on this and go, oh, well, fight all you want. The game's over. We know it's yeah. not technically over, but if they go, Oakland will not get a new franchise if they decide like, hey, we, we need to bring a new franchise in there. You've just lost right. all these major sports. They're, they're not going to come here. They're going to give other cities a chance. The other thing, too, is Fisher, he's probably burned the bridges with the Oakland fan base, right? Oh, yeah. The fan base would love... No, no probably about the it. The fan base would yeah. love for this team to stay. We would love it more than anything for this team to stay. So, that would need a new owner, right? But he's not going to sell for the same reason he hasn't sold. If anything, he'll make a new ballpark. They'll sell it then, and then that would just be a double slap on the face. It's like, I don't even want this anyway, but you can't have it either. That is a big concern because this is almost all equity for John Fisher. He bought the A's at a relatively cheap price for what franchises in sports are going for. With Even, with, even without a new ballpark or a new city, these would be valued at over a billion dollars. And that's the low end of what a baseball franchise is. So because... There is still an opportunity to grow that. If you were able to get a stadium deal done, well, suddenly that value of your franchise goes up. You know, if you were able to sign some players long term, get a media market that, you know, you can have to yourself, all of that is stuff that can help drive the price up of this thing that is already a high equity. And you know what? Dave Cavill has got a stake in that. That's part of his deal with the A's is he's got part of an ownership stake. He speaks for ownership. So his incentive is to get the best deal to drive that price up because if the A's were to sell, that's more money in his pocket. It's more valuable for him. Let's go over some of the things we do know that happened. We're going to go over a lot that went down this week as this all kind of fell apart. This wasn't just some arbitrary like last minute decision that the A's made. It was clearly calculated. 
and we learned some things the last day or so. The A's and the city of Oakland were scheduled for a week-long negotiation session that was going to take place privately. They weren't doing things publicly anymore. The city of Oakland had hired a mediator that was meeting with them. They had started that process on Wednesday. As far as Oakland is saying, they were making progress. The A's haven't said that, but the city of Oakland believed they were making significant progress because the remaining sticking issue here at Howard Terminal was the off-site infrastructure, which Oakland was going to be covering. Uh, the A's were going to cover the on-site infrastructure and recoup some of that initial investment with a uh, with a tax district where that money would have been able to repay them. They had proposed putting the money up for the off-site infrastructure and doing the same kind of tax deal there, but the city of Oakland saw that as a vulnerability to their general fund, so they weren't interested in doing that. They decided they were going to come get the money themselves. They had negotiated part of that done. And part of this, this process has taken so long and inflation has happened that the expected cost of that offsite infrastructure has gone up and up and not by a little bit, like hundreds of millions of dollars that it's gone up, which means that the city of Oakland was now having to come up with more money and find more avenues to be able to secure that money to be able to get this deal done. And that process was taking a lot of time for the A's who were trying to get something done because they had a deadline. By January of next year, this coming January, they had to have a binding agreement done with either Oakland or Las Vegas where they would get kicked out of the revenue sharing that they were allowed of. So there was a little bit of a deadline for Major League Baseball, although they set that deadline, they could change it to get a deal done by January. And for the A's, they were looking at what was happening with Oakland and thinking, well, if we get a deal done... We have to get it done by January. That puts us in a bind to get this done. And for Oakland to be able to reassure us that they're going to be able to have the money for the offsite infrastructure and get that deal done, Vegas, maybe we can make that happen faster. Also, the cost of building in Vegas, way cheaper than what they were going to have to spend out here. It's They're looking at a $1.5 billion stadium versus 6 to $12 billion development project here in Oakland. That's a considerable saving. For them. They're also looking to get money from Vegas, and we'll talk about that a little later. There was a lot in here that the A's felt if they got an agreement done with Oakland, they wouldn't have a new ballpark open and ready to go until 2030. And if they got it done in Vegas, like they're hoping to do, they would be able to open it about three years earlier and be in a new ballpark in Vegas in 2027. And three years is not an insignificant amount of time when you're talking about the kind of money that's involved in here. So that all plays a role in why the A's made this decision, which you know is not a rash decision. It was calculated and the way that they have decided to shift gears. Everything you're saying makes sense, right? Like if I was making a percentage of any future sales here, like, yeah, go ahead, let's go. But I'm not. I'm a fan that gives my money to go and see the A's. I'm just always so hopeful in every single game, you know, even when the A's aren't even fighting for for playoff contention, then you start going in game by game. And, and that's where I come from. It just is so devastating that this deal couldn't get done. Just like you're mentioning all the infrastructure and, and all the dollars and the amounts. And honestly, I, I don't know anything about that. But I do know that there are people involved that are going to lose their jobs here that aren't making millions of dollars. And this percentage is just a little extra cherry on the top. 
I've been reading so many comments on just so many different things, but a common thing that I've seen is for Bay Area transplants and people that have showed up here and they were like, I came from Texas. I thought I was still going to follow the Rangers, but you go to the Coliseum, you have the experience. They mentioned the fans, how great of an experience it is. And they also mentioned the people that work there and they just are. And, you know, earlier in the podcast, we were talking about, uh, when I went to opening day and we were like, oh, 142 is a ghost section. And a lady just, what are you guys looking for? You know, all the way to our experience as kids, y'all want some hot dogs? You know, like <laughs> that we quote all the time. So, you know, it's just, these are real people and great people that, you know, they they treat you well there, you know, and these are people that are going to lose jobs. And, and yeah. it's just, it's just, it's a deep cut for Oakland fans. If your ownership, you've made a great decision. Congratulations. You do you do see a lot of the talking heads on the national media saying like, oh, they needed to go. They they had no other choice. This is what they had to do. If that's where you're coming from, that's gonna be your point of view. But that also goes back to why we are A's fans, right? Because it was accessible to us. The costs, they weren't preventative. We were able to take BART on a Wednesday and go get tickets for a dollar and go eat hot dogs. And we could, you know, take dates there, you know, and, and it was accessible. It, it was more of a blue collar team, right? And so... That's your fan base, and those are the people that are getting hurt the hardest. And you bring up a good point because it's the Coliseum workers that are going to be out of a job and another tough loss because that venue used to have three major professional sports teams. They had concerts. There was a lot more money that you could make there because of so many events. And slowly but surely, those things are getting pulled out. And I know that there's talk about a different development there and you know trying to revitalize that area down the line, but... It doesn't look like that's going to happen. And, you know, there is still a chance that this deal doesn't get done. And with the A's leaving to Vegas. But if that deal falls through and they were going to stay or come back to Oakland, I think you would need to have a different ownership group involved for that to be able, for that avenue. And I know the, the leaders in Oakland have said that, you know, if John Fisher and Dave Cavill want to call them up and reopen negotiations and, you know, take the Vegas part off of it, they'll listen. They'll take that phone call. They're not just saying it's done, but they're also not going to continue to negotiate what they feel is in bad faith based on the way that the summit that they had planned for this week, Oakland brought out their attorneys, you know, they were hoping to hammer out a deal and get this finalized. And then after one day, the A's call and say, by the way, we're buying this land in Vegas. We've got this deal in place. And kind of, I mean, not kind of, they caught the mayor uh, off guard. They caught the city of Oakland off guard. And after one day in what was supposed to be a week-long negotiation, they just pulled the plug on it all. And obviously, I get why Oakland feels like that was a bad faith tactic. And I wonder how misplayed it was because the A's have used Vegas and the threat of relocation consistently as a way of driving this process forward. And it's worked. They've had success doing that. And as they're getting into this week-long negotiation, I'm not sure if they didn't overplay their hand. It's possible that they were like, you know what? We do this. We have an avenue out uh, with that deal in Vegas that this is the final leverage that we're putting that we're, we're turning up the heat 
and trying to get Oakland to concede to some of these points. And it's possible that they may have overplayed their hand a little bit. I want to have that hope that it's not over. And a little bit, I don't want to have that hope because it's been that hope that has been hurting so bad, right? It's that hope that the team is going to be all right. You know, it's that hope going out on opening night and getting a win when Shohei Otani was on the hill. And just what a great atmosphere and going, hey, this could be... This could be a great little team. And, you know, I know we haven't said it on the podcast, but on phone calls, we're calling it, hey, 20-game win streak in June, and you're right back in this, right? Because there's this hope that you never know what could happen. There's the hope that they're going to sign Olsen. They're going to keep him. There's the hope that, you know, you're, you're going to build. You're going you're gonna to keep your all-stars. You're going to develop them. You're not going to trade away six all-stars. It's just this constant hope. You hope you're going to get a new stadium. You wondered, like, when was this ever going to come? Was there going to be like, okay, this is our decision date. We are deciding to stay. We are deciding to go. And never really did I think Las Vegas, they were going to, okay, it's, we've made a decision day. We're going to go to Las Vegas. And to see this news, it just kind of felt like a gut punch. But now that I've been punched in the gut, I don't really want to catch my breath to get punched in the gut again. You know? And so that's where I am. So let's just talk about the Vegas deal from what we know about it so far, because there's been a couple outlets that have re- reported on this. It's that the A's are proposing building a $1.5 billion uh, you know, stadium that's got a roof on it and it'll be retractable and, you know, fit in with the landscape in Las Vegas. But the A's are right now, from what we know, willing to put up a billion dollars for that. And they're looking for 500 million to come from, you know, the area. And the way that they're looking to structure that is very similar to what they were looking to do in Oakland. It's kind of a tax district that if people are spending money in that area, those funds will come back to them to help recoup some of that initial investment that the A's are willing to make in the form of a bond uh, in Vegas. So that's what they're trying to do right now. There's multiple reports that are coming out of Nevada right now that the legislature in Nevada is not quite as open to getting involved in a deal like this as they were when the Raiders came that they might not be willing to sacrifice that kind of money. And frankly, unlike Oakland, they don't need to sacrifice those kind of taxes in the same way that maybe Oakland would have. It's a different way of looking at it. Is there a way for that to get done? Well, they're going to have to wait and see. Could this be another Peralta situation? Remember when the A's were first looking at their ideal sites before they announced Howard Terminal, they were trying to build at Peralta and they were trying to build, uh, you know, a stadium there and they made the announcement got a little ahead of it and then found out like oh wait no we we don't have approval we don't have the support and it fell apart almost as quickly as they announced it and then they pivoted tower terminal to make Howard terminal the the next place to go is this something where the a's are making this move and like we talked about maybe overplayed their hands and now they've got to make this deal happen with about 500 million dollars that they're going to be looking to come from vegas to get a deal done, is there potential that that deal could fall apart and this would be another instance of the A's overplaying their hand a little bit like they did with the Peralta College site before they pivoted to Howard Terminal? And if it does, what happens then? You know, does John Fisher look to sell? Do the A's look at relocation in another place? And how does that all play out? I don't know. And like you said, you don't want to catch your breath and get punched in the gut again 
because like you said, we all want the A's to stay in Oakland. How much of that hope do you want to keep alive and be disappointed down the line and be crushed again if you kept that hope alive? So this kind of transitions a little bit into what do you think you will be doing for the rest of the season? Will you be finding yourself going to some more games? I a little bit was thinking like, you know, maybe I'm done. Maybe that's it. Then I started thinking, what will the very last game in Oakland be like? You know, is that going to be this year and they'll jump their lease and go play at the AAA Las Vegas? Are they going to stay for one more year knowing they're going to go? And if you think the turnout is low now, what would you imagine that that would be like? So then I started thinking, maybe I'm done as I'm driving home from my daughter's open house tonight. She starts singing, take me out to the ball game and singing, root, root, root for the A's, you know? And so then a little bit like, I can't just take that away from her, right? Like that is such a fun experience that we all do like to do as a family. And it's torn between a, you don't want to continue giving your money to Fisher but you also want to continue to appreciate what you have knowing that it's fleeting. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think it's going to be subjective. It's going to be how each individual feels because just in the day and a half that we've had this news, you've seen fans go through a a wide range of emotions. It's still new. It's still fresh and you're still figuring it out because I'm exactly like you. I I thought the same thing. It's like, well, that's crazy to think that that might have been the last A's game I've ever been to. My daughter's already asking because she looks at the magnetic calendar. She knows to look for Friday and Saturday games because those are the games that we can go to. She's looking for firework night games because she's enjoyed going to the Coliseum and having those shared experiences the same way that we did and the way that it's generational and the way we wanted to pass it on. We were excited to up until Wednesday, at least. And my initial thought is a lot of games, you're going to have the opposing team's fans there. You know, on a Tuesday night, We just had the Cubs in town, but it'll be a lot of Cubs fans coming, Chicago fans coming out to see a team that they don't get to see as often anymore. I think that's going to happen a lot of games. And I I do wonder at what point do A's fans as a community come together and maybe something we talked about, maybe like awake at the game, you know, instead of the reverse boycott, you, you still do something like that, but you make it the way we've been talking about being in mourning over the news is that we all plan to come to one big game together. And we plan on being there, not for the team that's leaving, but for each other, for the community that we have forged, the friends that we have, bringing our kids out and maybe having that one last big hurrah, like a big wake, like we were saying, for the A's. They're not going to care one way or the other. We get one last opportunity maybe to show like that the fans are here, that the fans care, because ultimately... The A's do have a history of moving from Philadelphia to Kansas City to Oakland and now to Vegas. And I'm afraid, and I agree with you, that Oakland is going to be the only one of those cities without a baseball team when this is all said and done. I think that was the thing that I was most excited about, about the reverse boycott, was having just a big turnout and thinking, even if this is the last time, like, let's be honest, doesn't look like there's another playoff game on the horizon. Right. And like, that's when it's just such an incredible environment, such an incredible time. Um, And to think like that's probably not coming, that could be the last hurrah. Right. And even if that's all we had, having that be a grassroots movement to go, you can't blame us. Right. And this 
has obviously knocked the wind out of the sails of the reverse boycott. And, you know, I still see some threads online where people are saying, hey, we'll still show up at this time and we'll just be in the parking lot. We'll listen in on the radio. You know, somebody was like projected outside and say, park outside, walk on in, take part, you know, just come on in. There is clearly a, a want in this community to be with members of this community. And that's why I'm on these threads reading these comments, right? Because that's where I am finding community right now in this, you know? So it's knocked the wind out of the sails. And I, I at first was like, no, it's it. I'm done. I do think I am going to find myself getting to at least a few more games because my kids love it and I want to take them out there. But also, you know, hopefully getting maybe tickets from people that don't want them anymore. You know, so who knows? So yeah, it's just been uh been a bit of a roller coaster. And it was so deflating because obviously the season has not gone well for the team on the field. And I think what was really just such a bad sign is that we got a chance to see Mason Miller pitch on Wednesday, you know, the ace top pitching prospect, this guy that we've been talking about, how excited we were. And he lived up to the billing, came out throwing a hundred miles an hour. And those kind of prospects represent something. They represent the future. They represent optimism, that better times are coming, that they're building something, that there's going to be there. And then for this news to come on the heels of something like Mason Miller's first career start and to see that potential to have a growing star in Oakland, the next team that you're going to build around and be excited about and be able to share these moments with your kids and get you know lit up for Miller time and all that stuff. See those Miller time signs hanging out there. It's Mason Miller time. And for, for having that for an afternoon and then to have the air out of the balloon and to be so deflated after you've seen this representation of potential optimism and hope about a brighter future and to see that all dashed in one evening, it was uh, it was tough, man. And I keep talking about being on that Twitter spaces. There were tears. You could hear a lot of tears from people. And, you know, there were somber moments. There were jovial moments. And, you know, it was nice to see that there are still places where even though everyone's at home and you're not all together, even at a ballpark, that you get a chance to still come together as a community and whatever it shifts to, maybe it's we all become fans of the Oakland Roots and we all start building into that as our new community or, you know, whatever it is, pouring yourself more into the Warriors and things like that. But that community is still going to be there in some form. Whatever it becomes, we don't know yet, but it's still going to be there. What about Laney College Baseball? What if we turn them yeah. into just the the biggest fan base yeah. you could possibly imagine? Cal Bears are out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's going to be something that's going to take its place, but... You know, it is tough because for the third time in a five-year window, a professional sports team is leaving Oakland. And Oakland is going to lose another team that has represented, you know, not just Oakland, but the greater East Bay for a long time as you have had, you know, the Warriors have been in the East Bay for a long time before they moved, but they came from San Francisco as well. You also had the Raiders who have come and gone and you know, the A's, obviously they moved from Kansas City, but they've been here for a long time and they have stayed here. They didn't switch sides of the Bay. So they've come to kind of represent a lot of the East Bay and that greater community that we have in the Bay Area. And so just a real tough week, man. Like you said, there's there's not a lot of positive to take from it. You know, if people want to look for the optimism that maybe a deal doesn't get done in Vegas and that maybe it leads to Joe Laker being able to buy the team if the A's decide they can't get a deal done in Vegas. So 
There's all kinds of ways to look at this. There's no wrong way. And I'm not going to begrudge anybody for feeling you know, that they want to try to find the optimism. I'm not going to begrudge anybody who wants to kill the hope and it's the hope that kills you and you want to move on from it. So there's no wrong way to do it. And, you know, in that meantime, I would just say support each other. Enjoy those. If you're feeling comfortable, go out and enjoy the Coliseum. Enjoy being around those fans for the the limited amount of time that we might still have it because when it's gone, it's probably not coming back. Good connecting with you, even though if it is somber times and this is the Win or Hughes podcast. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do the rest of the season, given what's happening this week. But make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll, uh, just like the rest of you, we'll figure it out together. Thanks for listening to the Winner Hughes podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.